This is the Warmester Town Supporter Podcast, and I'm your host, Roland Millward. Coming up in this episode, we take a look at the fantastic week that Warmester Town have had with two excellent cup ties and two excellent results as well. We're also going to talk to Ian Knockholes. He's going to discuss with us the Football Association's definition of grassroots football and perhaps what the plans are for teams in the Western League for next season. We'll also have a quick look at history as well, just at the very end of this podcast. So stay tuned. All of this is coming up now. So we should have Jamie House on the line this evening. Good evening, Jamie. Are you there? Good evening. I am here. Yes. Good. And have you uh, really got over the excitement of two fantastic games at Weymouth Street? Just about. Yeah. Coming down now. Coming down. It was a real high, wasn't it? Two games Wednesday night uh, when we were playing in the Les Phillips Cup. That was an excellent game. And of course, on Saturday as well. Both games had something in common apart from winning. Very wet. Yes. Yeah, it's getting to that time of year now. Yeah, it is. Anyway, let's just have a look firstly, shall we? Just a quick way of review. I'm sure most people may have uh, read the match report. Might just want a little bit of extra information about it. Uh, Wednesday night, Les Phillips Cup. Warmester Town 5, Portishead Town nil. What do you think of that game? Excellent game. Uh, comparing it to uh, the, the Saturday game in the league, I mean, it was like watching a completely different team. It was uh, it was absolutely fantastic. We completely dominated. I mean, Portishead, you could argue they're probably not the, the best team in the league. Um, but, you know, that being said, I mean, we just ran circles around them. I don't think I've ever seen Warmers to play quite as well as that, actually, to be honest. Um, and yeah, 5-0, uh, clean sheet, good game yeah. through the next well, round of the League I, Cup. So, I think the, the high tempo of the game from the off as well, that our players were chasing people down, they were pressurising them. It was front to back, everybody putting a fantastic Yeah, defending game. from the front. Yeah, depending on the front, the work rate was second, was uh, first class, second to none. So, uh, yeah. Excellent. So, say, so we move on to the next round of the, that cup. And, of course, uh, we were looking forward to the FA Vars round two on Saturday uh, when we had AFC Portchester, a 3-1 win. Uh, again, let's just uh, have a quick uh, thought on that game from you. Yeah, another very good game. Um, you know, first 20 minutes was a bit, you know, could have gone either way. Um, but after that, Warminster kicked up a gear and uh, scored some very fine goals and worked some uh, some very nice football and managed to uh, to keep uh, again higher league opposition at bay. Mm, yes, yes, not no slouches in their own league, Portchester. They're uh, mm. towards the top of the table, just a few points off the the leaders. Alsford, of course, we beat Alsford, who are still top of that league. In fact, mm. they pulled away a little bit in that league now as well. So two good good wins, and uh, we've had the draw today um, we're not sure who we're going to play yet but uh, it's either going to be Roman Glass St George or Petersfield and that will be decided on Tuesday night hopefully so uh, if you listen to this podcast after Tuesday you'll you'll know who it is by then and that's on November the 30th a little away trips either to Bristol or mm. over to Petersfield a little bit further afield so uh, we'll look forward to round three I'm sure um, just thinking about uh, the league, not much changed on Saturday. There weren't too many games played due to the weather. Again, no, I think only I think only three games. I think were played, or there were three. Yes, like that. three. Yes, three. 
Yeah, so that was uh, Sherborne and Lebec, and Sherborne came out on top of that one, 2-1. Uh, Corsham also played. Uh, they beat Hengrove 2-1, and uh, Carl Town beat Bristol Telephones 2-1. So two of the teams below us lost um, at the weekend, which is good news for us. <laughs> yeah, Carl, I've got down as 1-0, just to, for the record. 1-0? Yes, it was 1-0, yeah. yes. Yes, 1-0, that's it. Looking at attendance, though, again, warm is the superb attendance on Saturday, 222, wasn't it? All the yes. twos, all our ducks, all yes. our ducks. In a row, very appropriate for the weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, apparently Never we had uh, till now, but there you go. We had a few groundhoppers there as well. I think that day, yes. and I think uh, half of Bradford Town's fans came for an away day as well because their game was cooled off in the FA Vars. Yeah, so uh, we had a few of the away day boys yes. there. That was good, excellent. Um, and of course, if you look at the attendance on the league on the day, Carn sixty-five, Caution forty-eight, and Sherborne sixty-two. So uh, that's yeah, pretty good going. Think, if you, if you look we were... in the Premier. I think we were sixth overall in the FA Vars attendances as well, yeah. or something like that. I think so. That two, two, two for Warming Stats, yeah, seventy-two for Hallen in the Premier, one three seven Ainsham, and one four eight for Shepton. So we are up there, doing very, very well for attendance. So thanks to everyone yes. that comes along to support Warming Town as well. When visitors come, as you say, some ground hoppers as well. It's always a nice way yes. to watch a game of football. And if we churn out performances like uh, are currently happening, more people want to come when their team's not playing. So. Uh, yeah, exactly. long may that continue. So that's that's all good. Uh, better have a quick look at the table then. Say not a lot has happened from our point of view, from Warminster's point of view, but uh, who's currently top? Carl Town are still leading the uh, the uh, league at the moment. Um, they have played one more game than Wing Canton, who are behind them. Um, so if Wing Canton win, they won't go top unless they score a huge amount of goals, but they will be equal on points. Uh, Ashton Backwell are fourth, Wells City are uh, sorry, Ashton Backwell a third, sorry, uh, Well City a fourth, and Longwell Green Sports round out the top five. Um, Bristol Telephones obviously are still at the bottom of the, the league. Uh, Bishop Sutton a 19th, Hengrove 18th, Devizes 17th, Welton 16th, they're the uh, bottom few teams. And then the, the middle hasn't really, sort of mid-pack hasn't really changed much. Corsham Town a sixth, Rastock seventh, Lebec eighth, Sherborne ninth, Cheddar tenth, Oldland eleventh. Um, they've uh, sort of fallen down a bit, Cheddar and Oldland actually, because they were both up near the top of the, uh, the league at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. Uh, Porter's Head are now 12th, um, Bishops Lydiard are 13th, Ormsbury 14th, and of course Warminster are 15th. Yes, now at the weekend, we're going to play one of those teams near the bottom again, very near the bottom, <laughs> Bishops Sutton, just one up. They've played yes. 10 and got seven points. Uh, one, two, drawn one. So we're at their place. Uh, yep. Obviously, weather permitting, we have to say that because it's a bit of a pitch that does get very wet. And we've experienced that. We've been down there before. Playing First hand, yes. Down there, but it was very wet. And the white lines were wearing off last time very yes. rapidly. So uh, we'll have to, hopefully, the game will go ahead. But uh, again, it's, it could still be a tough game, really, at the end of the day, couldn't it? We want to try and get three points on the board from that one because set, mm-hmm. we need to be moving away from this bottom zone we're currently in. Yes, yes, we do we need to do need to get a few more wins in the league, ideally. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, of course, you know, a cup run is great. I want to keep that keep that going, but uh, we don't want to be fighting for relegation having had a fantastic cup run. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> no. So there we go. Well. Thanks, Jamie, for your review today. We appreciate uh, your time again. Hopefully, we'll see you on Saturday down at Bishop Sutton. Will we? Uh, hopefully. Excellent. I'll say weather permitting as well. Mm. So thanks for your time. Take care. Speak to you soon. You're welcome. My thanks go to Jamie once again for joining us on our weekly podcast.
Now, we'd like to take a look at a fairly serious issue regarding the Football Association. And as I mentioned in the introduction, there's a couple of things we'd like to look at, and that is, how does the FA define grassroots football? And what does that really mean for us at Warminster Town and other Western League clubs? And what are the plans for Western League and, in fact, other divisions for next season? This is quite important that we understand this. So Ian is going to help us out. So we're going to go straight over now and talk to Ian Knockholds. Good evening, Ian. It's nice of you to join us on the podcast. How are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you, Roland. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you again. Yeah, lovely to have you on again. Um, last time, of course, we were talking a bit more generally about uh, Western League football, and because you are the host of the uh, Toolstation Western League football podcast, which is always good, and I recommend everyone do have a listen to that every week. Um, but you've written a couple of articles recently, uh, one very recently in the Midsummer Norton Radstock uh, newspaper, uh, particularly what the FA is up to at the moment and some of the things they're, they're doing. Perhaps you'd just like to run us through the, the latest uh, article you've written and uh, why you're concerned. Yeah, I um, I have to say that the articles I write, I write independently of my position within the Western League. So I, I, I like you, um, I'm a fan, of course, of Western League football and I'm, I'm very proud to present the Western League podcast. But um, um, it doesn't stop me, like all fans, having an opinion on what's going on in the game. Um, sometimes I can't speak from an official position. I don't actually hold an official position within the Western League. Um, but um, personally speaking, I've been concerned um, about um, a piece of research that the FA have been doing for the last five years um, uh, called the uh, the Grassroots Survey. And um, this this is this is a piece of uh, research that um, uh, uh, is conducted annually. Uh, I I well the the principle being that it, they want to get feedback from um, grassroots football people, players, supporters, coaches, and league officials, that sort of thing. Now, in in my day job, I run a market research business, so research is something that's quite close to my heart. And looking at the way that the survey is constructed and communicated to the football family it's um it's something that's been um that's that's bothered me for a while last year i contacted the fa directly about my concerns and um um uh I, you know it, i was grateful that the their insight team um came back and sort of answered some of my questions Mm. But um, it was good, but nothing changed. And that's the reason that I wrote the uh, the article that I did, um, because um, in particular, the way that the Football Association referred to grassroots football, which you and I would consider to be the football that, that we um, uh, that, that we follow. Um, the, the, the FA have a very precise definition of it, which is football that is not paid to watch or, or where payers are not paid to play. Now, of course, that doesn't cover Toolstation Western League football in either the, the, the First Division or the Premier Division. But for anybody who knows grassroots football will know that clubs like Warminster Town have an under-16... Well, I don't actually know if you do have an under-16 side. You've probably got an under-18 side, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, you've got you've certainly got a reserve side. That's right, under-18s as well, yeah. Uh, and many clubs will have um, women's teams increasingly uh, and other sides. Uh, walking football is something that is, is, is expanding and something the FA are interested in. Now, my problem is that clubs like Warminster are the very clubs that the county FAs, in our case Wiltshire, would be approached to, um, to talk to about 
increasing participation in the game from you know whether it's women whether it's people with disabilities whether it's older members of our community it's the clubs themselves that do the heavy lifting but why is it that there isn't that recognition in the FA's own research of the very people who are doing that work, who are on the coalface of growing the game and of representing communities like Warminster, in my case, you know, I live in Devizes. These are towns where the football club play an incredibly important part. And uh, that I, I, it concerns me that there isn't that recognition in the language that they use. Now, what does that actually mean? Well, the, 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 I don't believe that the participation rate in these surveys is particularly good. I think it could be better. I've tried to promote it. But of course, like anybody who's listening to this interview, if you receive a telephone call or you receive an email or a letter in the post, a piece of research, and it doesn't resonate with you, you think, well, this doesn't relate to me. It's not about a topic I'm interested in or it doesn't have an impact on my life. You don't fill it in. Because we've got busy lives. So the idea that the FA of all people, you know, the guardians of the game, don't actually talk to people like yourself and myself and the coaches at the clubs, the, the, you know, the secretaries and the chairman, um, the players even. I mean, player participation in these surveys is really important. You would think that the FA know who's playing the game. Actually, they don't. Um, and getting feedback from players, not just about you know their interest in football, but also about how they develop their role from playing into coaching, and also really important issues like inclusion. You know whether there's racism or homophobia or religious abuse. Um, these are really important issues. If you don't engage, you won't get anything back. So getting the language right at the beginning, framing these things in a in an appropriate way that reflects. Um, the way that we engage with our grassroots game is really important. And I think it's a trick that they've missed. And in some respects, when I engaged with them last year, they agreed with me, but nothing's changed. And that frustrates me. And I'd like other people who may be filling in that survey to, you know, to, to communicate that back to the FA. Because if we don't complain, if we don't ask, we don't get, we won't, we won't bring about change. You know, mm-hmm. and that's really that was the purpose of the article to raise this to people's attention so that people don't think, oh, well, this is typical of the FA. Yeah. You know, this is well, don't 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 do that. You've got to go the extra mile if we feel passionately about this. And that's that's really the message that came from the that's article. Good. I was going to mean, it really did surprise me with the free to watch definition for grassroots football, because I've always taken it that. Little clubs like Warminster, Devizes, etc. Well, you have to make a charge. Otherwise, how can you provide a ground and floodlights and, you know, <laughs> all the costs that go with that? It, it runs to thousands of pounds a year and travel to and from matches, etc. So free to watch, I think, for grassroots is, is kind of a weird definition, because when you talk to people in um, Premier League, Championship, all those, they view grassroots as our levels and, and yeah, a little absolutely. bit higher to pull their players in from. You know, the young kids growing up, they they scout them as grassroots football clubs, even though some of those players might actually be being paid in uh, in some of the divisions. So it's, it's a rather a strange definition where you get this suddenly what defines grassroots roots is free to watch you know nothing's free in the world at the end of the day somebody's got to pay something somewhere to have a pitch you know well how it works the i I go and watch devices and there's a chap who i um you know i've become friendly with over the last couple of seasons who i go and talk to and he's got a son that plays in the first team and a son that plays in the reserves i've gone to take my children to watch the reserves when the first team weren't at home you don't pay to watch the reserves it's probably the same at warminster That chap is a parent of two players. He's had a coaching role at the club. He watches the reserves in the first team. 
Now, if the first thing you read is this survey is for people who um, don't watch football uh, where players are played or you pay to watch, the first thing he's going to think is, well, that's not for me then, is it? But of course it is. Mm. You know, and when I think of some of the clubs that I've been involved with over the years, Radstock Town Football Club, I've got a very close association with them. They had a wonderful run in the FA Youth Cup recent, uh, well, in, in recent history, about three or four years ago. They went to Woking um, and had a really good result and uh, ended up getting Exeter um, back at their place in the next round. The club chairman was on the coach, you know, mm. club committee members were on the coach. Whether it's the under-18s or the reserves or the A-team or the ladies' team, they're one club. There isn't just tranches of people out there who do different jobs in different clubs and differentiate it on that basis. It's one club. And that's the thing that, you know, when you know these people and you see the joy that they get from the success of the various teams, it doesn't matter what the team is, you know, that, that to me, that is what grassroots football is about. How can they miss that? And that's the really frustrating thing. Yeah. It's that old kind of people in ivory towers again, isn't it, that don't really understand they get into the positions, or it seems that way anyway, from a, a lot of large organisations that you end up with tiers of people who are, are managing things, but they don't really understand the real McCoy, what, no, well, what actually makes it tick goes on every day, you know? Yes, absolutely. And that's why so I that's, wrote that's the article. That's my sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a famous footballer once. He, he wrote a, a book about his life and he entitled the chapter What Football Directors Know About Football. And he left the entire chapter blank. <laughs> 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 Maybe we could say that about certain people of the FA. Who knows? We don't know. It's too I, critical, but I'd, I'd it like comes to across be, that way sometimes. It does. And I would like to be more. It's easy to it's easier to knock down than it is to build up. Mm. But. But this is, you know, as I say, I, we're not having this conversation, you know, three or four years ago when this thing started. We're having it now. And I've done what I consider to be my sort of professional duty to raise the concerns I have as a research professional with the FA. And, you know, actually nothing's changed. So the only change that we can bring about, I think, is is the grassroots change from the bottom up and to make our displeasure felt. And I'd be very interested if any of the listeners to this do fill in the grassroots survey. It's available through the Wiltshire Football Association website. If uh, I mean, I'm, I'm contactable on, on social media. I know you are. You make yourself very well sort of known. Let us know what you think, because actually if other people say, I fill this thing in and I don't think it's got anything to do with my involvement in football. I mean, I've spoken to people who said, they never asked me any of the questions that I wanted to answer. You know, mm. that's actually, that's what we need to know. That's what we need to hear because there's no shortage of critics, even in parliament of the football association. And I think probably what we need to do is stop the, the barracking in a way and say, right, let's get down to brass tacks. You know, are you mm. going to do this job properly or not? And I think this is a pretty good example. It's good. A good time to perhaps make that change. Good. Excellent. I'm- sure people listening in would like to comment so we look forward to hear, hearing from them uh, you're on twitter at ian knuckles aren't you as well so i certainly can find you on twitter ian excellent um there was another thought yeah you wrote an article a few weeks ago now probably months time flies by doesn't it but there are potential changes that will affect us more with regard to the league yeah this is the fa's involvement perhaps just like to run through uh, what perhaps their plans are and their, their ideas and how you think about it yeah, the FA have been talking for the last few years, um, two years. I think we're into a three. There's a three-year plan to restructure um, the football pyramid, and the the principle of this 
is the pure pyramid. And the idea is that that promotes promotion and relegation from leagues, which I think as fans is something that we all appreciate. And of course, one of the romantic things about supporting a club like Warminster is that a player for Warminster could elevate themselves possibly, well, not just into the professional ranks, but possibly into uh, the Premier League and, uh, and beyond. I mean, Tyrone Mings um, famously played a couple of games for Corsham. Um, so, and he's gone on to play for England. So that's one of the, in, in, you know, the pyramid manifests itself in many ways and it's an important principle. So I don't, I don't criticize the football association for wanting to encourage and foster that. However, the reorganization that they're undertaking is being done very much in an author, in, in an authoritarian top down way. Um, promotion and relegation matters used to be dealt with at our level by the Western league themselves. Um, and now that's been taken out of their hands. And next season, the National League system rules have identified the fact that um, two teams from the Southwest Peninsula East Division and two from the West Division, so that's four teams from the Peninsula League, will be promoted to Step 5, which is the league that our Premier League sits at. Now, it's quite obvious to me that if you're taking a, two teams from Devon and in particular two from Cornwall, uh, they're not going anywhere at step five other than the Western League Premier Division. Right. Now, when you look at the fact that four teams from our own um, First Division are also uh, in line for promotion, that's the league rules, then you've now got a situation where eight teams are going to go into our Premier Division and, and room will have to be found to accommodate them. And the mechanism that the Football Association used to manage this process is called lateral movement. So obviously there will be promotion out of the Premier Division, Westernly Premier Division. And at the moment, it looks like Plymouth Parkway are favourites to secure that. Although Bradford Town, of course, a Wiltshire mm, side, well. they are doing very well and, and they, could be, um, they could be in line for promotion as well. Um, only one side is due to be relegated. And actually, when you get into the technicalities of the National League rules... Um, that's going to be on a points per game basis. So potentially that might not even happen either. So eight teams into that division doesn't go. You're going to have to see large scale lateral movement. And when I wrote the article, my my concern was, well, how is this going to be managed? Because are we looking at territories, areas being moved out of the Western League system? And of course, my particular concern is Wiltshire. So mm. how would that affect Bradford? How would it affect Westbury? And also, what will it mean for the Wiltshire clubs who are going to be promoted from the first division? Because if we take Carn Town at the moment, of course, are leaders of the first division. Frankly, I thought Warminster were going to be doing a bit better this season. I thought you'd be in the mix for the top four. Just going to be cup specialists. Well, quite possibly. But I mean, in fairness, Roland, there's an awful lot of water to go under the bridge. So who knows what you could achieve, you know, before the end of the season. Now, a Wiltshire club that goes in to or is in the promotion mix, it could be quite inconvenient for the Football Association to promote them into the Premier Division because you could have a Premier Division in the Western League that stretches from Wiltshire to Cornwall. Now, for clubs, you know, for non-league clubs getting gates, you know, if they're lucky of three figures, that's, an, that's a huge ask. That's a huge yeah. expense. So what is the politics here? And if the politics is my concern when I wrote the article was that the politics was to move the was was to move Wiltshire out of the um, of the Western League. Now I'm not sure actually now the dust has settled that that's the case. Unfortunately, one of the reasons why it's difficult to 
look at these things in the round is because we get a lack of information from um, the Football Association themselves. If they told us a little bit more about what they were thinking, then we'd probably, um, you know, we'd be able to make more educated assumptions. But um, it looks now from um, from a lot of the sort of the analysis that's gone on in various non-league publications that it's going to be the major arterial routes, the transport routes around which lateral movement is likely to be dominated. And for us, that's really the M M4, possibly, you know, the M3, M4 mm. corridor, which means that as far as the Western League can, is concerned, Bristol sides like Hallen, South Gloucestershire sides, um, um, possibly, you know, the likes of Longwell Green, um, yeah. uh, Cadbury Heath, those are the ones that might be more in line um, to be moved out of the league um, than, than, than say, just picking a county like Wiltshire. At the moment, it feels like that might be the thinking. The latest news on the situation is that the FA will be doing a mapping exercise in January where they will be making some assumptions about the teams that are in line for promotion and then informing teams that they are considering moving. Now, the FA would prefer to move sides based on promotion and relegation. But if you take the maths that I talked about earlier with regard to the Western League, promotion and relegation alone will not suffice. There will have to be movement. And whilst I've been talking about the Premier Division, actually Western League First Division sides that find themselves in the top four, the, the, the equation is the same for them because a Khan Town, a Corsham, a Warminster, it might be more convenient to move those sides into a different league, be that the Hellenic or the Wessex League, than it would be to keep them in a league that potentially travels all the way down to St Austell. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. Could be um, quite a minefield coming up on this one. A lot of uh, a lot of discontent, I would imagine, too, for some clubs if this has not got right. <laughs> very, very tricky. Well, when we look at the plight of um, Chipping Sodbury uh, in the sort of the close season, were laterally moved um, without their knowledge. They successfully appealed against that decision, and which is the reason why our Premier Division has 21 sides. Mm. But in the process of appealing, they lost most of their playing squad and their manager. And you've only got to look at the situation that they find themselves in the league at the moment to see how that manifests itself. Now, there might be sides... And whether they're in Wiltshire or South Gloucestershire or Bristol, I, I, you know, we can't tell yet. So we have to be slightly guarded um, with, 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 you know, with these suppositions. But clearly, clubs need to plan. They need, you know, plan for the best or plan for the worst, hope for the best, um, because player recruitment. Um, and managerial recruitment are going to be potentially affected by this. For the fans, it could be good fun because you might get to visit a whole new host of grounds. But, you know, for the people who make make the clubs tick and, you know, the custodians of the clubs, they're going to be very worried about the derby matches that we, we look forward to at Christmas and Easter and the, the average gates that actually clubs rely on to provide them with that bread and butter income. That's it. Yeah, it's, it, it could have a serious knock-on effect, couldn't it? If this uh, goes wrong for a club in, 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 in a number of ways, really. So, let's say it's all a little bit probably in the air at the minute, but something's definitely going to happen by the end of the season then. So, it depends just how the FA carry this out. Absolutely. I mean, January is the critical time. That's when the FA themselves have said that they will inform clubs and they will con conduct another mapping exercise. We should, I should say they've already done one 
which is what a lot of the conjecture was based on. They're going to do another one in January, and that's when I think we'll know more. Mm. Yeah. So let's hope for the best for uh, for our Wiltshire teams, then, Ian, really. And uh, thanks very much for drawing our attention to that. Uh, maybe you'll come back and talk to us about it when we find out more uh, next year at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'd be more than happy to do that because, as I say, I use, you know, for the purpose of our conversation, I can talk about clubs like Khan and Corsham and, and Bradford and Westbury. Um, but the last thing I want to do is cr- is create concern um, that actually there's all, the, the decision has already been made. Uh, it, it hasn't. And and if it had been, I'd probably no. be the last person to know. The point is that we all have to in the Western League and at steps five and six, we all have to start thinking about the implications of this now. Yes, just need to be aware of it. That we don't want to suddenly get to uh, from and realise just what's happened. You know, we need to in advance. So uh, say hopefully the FA will do their due diligence. We'll look at it very carefully and uh, give people plenty of advance warning what's going on and how to deal with it, really. Um, maybe you never know. Maybe they will cough up a few bob to help. I, I doubt that very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> All that money that was uh, supposedly in the game from the Premier that comes down to grassroots. Oh, I forgot we're not grassroots. It bypasses us. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one of the conveniences <laughs> of having. Yeah. It's convenient, isn't it, to have that definition of grassroots? Because then you do avoid having to. Uh, yes. To do yes. bothering, yeah, things like that. Don't pay any money out. They don't need any money because they don't need anybody to pay to watch. Therefore, they don't need any money to run it. So it's fine, isn't it? You know, <laughs> bottom line. Oh, very strange things go on in there. Uh, well, in generally in, in many organisations, but I think certainly when you get to large organisations like the FA, Olympic committees, all those kind of things, you end up with this sort of uh, shenanigans going on, don't you? At some point. So we're, we'll watch we're, watch this space, as they say. Ian. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Thank you ever so much for joining us on the podcast. And uh, say, if people would like to feed in their information or ask any questions, uh, come through at WTFC supporter on Twitter, or you can reply to this podcast via Anchor or contact Ian at Ian Knuckles. That's I-A-N-N-O-C-K-O-L-D-S, I believe I spelled that correctly. From memory. You did. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> I did. Not so bad. Thank you very much, Ian. <laughs> do I get a prize or do you have to write to the FA to see if I can get one? <laughs> Well, lovely to speak to you, Ian. Take care, and I look forward to listening to you on the Tool Station Western podcast. Of course, this interview is not that, as you made quite clear. I will stress that this is your own personal views, and uh, you've written on this in the in the local paper down there in Midsummer Norton, and, uh, and uh, very good articles, Ian. So, congratulations to those and for drawing our attention to these issues. Thanks Thank you very much. My pleasure. My thanks go to Ian Knockholds there for taking part in the interview and joining us on the podcast. And uh, I'm sure we would welcome your comments. So as we said in that interview, if you'd like to get in touch, please do so. Uh, you can get in touch through Twitter at WTFC Supporter or you can email WTFC Supporter at iCloud.com. Or if you'd like to get in touch directly with Ian at Ian Knockholds is his Twitter account. So thank you very much. Uh, before we go, let's just take a look back in history. Coming up now. Western League football has a long history. In fact, we go back to the year 1892 when the league started. And the founding clubs, of course, actually included Trowbridge Town. So there's a name from the past. The club names still exist today, but of course they, they did go bust um, some years ago now, and uh, 
have been reformed with the name Trowbridge Town playing at North Bradley. But what I found interesting, and this is from a book called Another View from the Terraces by Sandy and Doug Webb, which is 125 years of the Western Football League. And it contains the league tables. And as you go through the, the various years from the 1890s through to 1900, you start to see some fairly big team names appear. In 1898-99 season, you'll find Southampton and Swindon Town mentioned in there, along with Bristol Eastville Rovers, as they were called then. Uh, you move on to 1900, and then you've got the league table consisted of the following clubs. I'll read them all out. You'll find this interesting. In Division 1, you had Portsmouth, Millwall Athletic, Tottenham Hotspur, Queen's Park Rangers, Bristol City, Reading, Southampton, Bristol Rovers, and Swindon Town. And as you move through years, other teams pop up, including West Ham and um, other Brentford. That's a club that moved on, obviously, uh, from that league into higher league division. And you just keep going through. You just find these clubs pop up from time to time that are now such well-known names in the larger football league. So have a look at this book if you can. Get yourself a copy. It's well worth uh, reading. It's a great story of the development of football and social history, really, moving right through to our day. Thank you for listening to the Warmster Town Football Club Supporter Podcast. It's great that you've been here, and I do hope that you will subscribe to this podcast, and I look forward to speaking to you again in the future.